We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. We have made it. We battled through a pandemic. We battled through, is sports going to happen? We battled through, well, there's no way we're going to have football. I was wrong there. And we are finally here. We are finally ready to blast off in NFL week one. And of course, we are back for a year, as Reeves was telling me before the show, year number five, seriously, year five of the DFS pick six. Of course, we've been here for all of it. Dago, you joined us last year. And I got to say, brother, it was pretty good to have you, but of course, joining me, Rich Rebar. What's up, brother? How you doing? What's going on, man? I mean, it's it's. It, I didn't. Know, a lot of us didn't know if we'd make it to this day uh, to, to talking about Week One football. We don't know how many weeks, subsequent weeks, there will be, but there's at least going to be one, and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty confident that uh, that we're going to get a string of weeks. But uh, it's nice to have it, and you know, have it have it back and have some normalcy in our lives because still surrounding things outside of football, there's still a lot of not of normalcy going on in everyone's lives. Yeah, so it's normal- nice to at least have this to latch on to. Yeah, and by normalcy, you mean we've got John Daigle there. Look, first of all, here, put Daigle on screen, all right? Let's make sure everybody can see the outfit. And I, I got Daigle, have you, been, have you been working out in the offseason? It looks like like you look a little slimmed down. Like, I see some guns popping. Look, that you just, like, turned on a microphone or something. Veins started popping out of your forearms. No. That was really impressive, man. What's up, brother? No, no, there's Crane. I don't know if you know the whole story. There's a lot going on in my life right now. Uh, make to make it quick for everyone because we're all friends at the pick six. Basically, I broke my lease knowing NBC Sports and Roto World myself were not going back to studios in March, and I was going to isolate myself in cabins driving to them, not flying around America, working from them the entire season. While I was heading to North Michigan, Traverse City, I decided to go the long way and stop by Evan Silva's house. So, what has happened now is that not only am I living with Elvin's Evan Silva. Uh, I picked up a package coming home from dinner just literally 10 minutes ago, and there was a shirt in it from one Rich Rebar in Cleveland, and I threw it on because I believe it's Silver Shirt, but it's King Henry. So there's no better way to stress Henry and football being back in week one than to basically steal Evan's shirt from Rich and to continue the show as we didn't even know what happened initially. This is, this is honestly a little bit incredible. I got to be honest. Like, I Evan stays part of the show is what you always learn. Is Evan <laughs> always stays part of the show and you're fine. Silverback's always here. Always. I mean, I, well, hold on. I got to ask you, like, and we're going to get to games here in a second, but what's it like living with Silva? Because, the, like, 
most of my interactions with Evan, like in person, he's like either like really nice and sober, or he wants to murder people during a game of foosball. Like that's like that's the list. That's so, not, like, what, what's the way living not, with Silverback? Uh, I can't say that's true because I've been around those situations. That is true, but uh, being just a friend and around him in our everyday lives, where we're both grinding. That's that's totally opposite. Uh, we are both just sitting here, still recording, still writing every single day. Um, the man is a madman. He's the goat for a reason. I witnessed right. him be in a speakerphone with Dr. Chow after lunch today. Like he's the goat for a reason because no one else is doing that. So uh, that's that's amazing. I really hope we just get like his the you know if he pops his head in here like wearing a Muhammad Sanu jersey. Like I'm just <laughs> gonna be really happy in general. And um, of course, guys, yeah, we're gonna talk about what's going on in the world. We're gonna talk about what's going on in football. What's going on in Daigle's house, but um. We're going to be talking about some games, of course. And, of course, you guys know how we do this. We're going to pick the top three games that we're going to look at. We let Rebar pick the games this week. And if you guys take a look at the second game we're going to talk about, it's just Troll City over here. But first, we got to talk a little bit about Seattle and Atlanta, a game where the Seahawks on the road are a point-and-a-half favorites, 49-point total. And, Reeves, I'm going to start with you, man, because we've got Todd Gurley on the Falcons. First of all, here, over under five and a half weeks that Todd Gurley lasts as a starting running back in Atlanta. Well, Atlanta believes it because they didn't bring any backups in outside of what they had last year. So they believe he's going to last more than five and a half weeks. Okay, well, yeah, as I as I pick up Brian Hill off of waivers in all of my leagues. And you don't even want to do that. Like, you don't even feel good about that. Like, there's no, no way. If, if Todd Gurley gets hurt, there's no way you're like, dope, I got Brian Hill. Like, there's no way that you have that yeah, kind of yeah. feeling. Yeah. You know, and these offenses right now, Atlanta, they've switched it up. Obviously, Austin Hooper, he's out. In comes Hayden Hurst coming over from Baltimore. I'm a big Hayden Hurst fan this year. Mm. Todd Gurley in for Atlanta. Devontae Freeman currently on the street on the Seattle side. Carlos Hyatt is Chris Carson's backup, and he simply will not go away, not unlike myself. So, you know, David, let's just start with this Atlanta side because – I think we're going to be talking about the Falcons a lot this year. Obviously, they play in a dome at home. The defense stinks. We know that they've got Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. We know those guys are going to be good, okay? I want to talk a little bit about Hayden Hurst, though, because this is a guy that a lot of people in the fantasy world are expecting to come into that Austin Hooper role. Are you one of those people that's expecting big things from Hayden Hurst? When you say the Austin Hooper role, that means that people are expecting the same production. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I do think we should ensure that he's going to walk into the same Austin Hooper usage. And that's all I care about. It's a small sample, sure, but in the three games that Austin Hooper missed last year, it was actually Jaden Graham who ran the seventh most routes among all tight ends in the entire league. And as Reeves taught us last year in between weeks, when people were worried about Mark Andrews snap rate, we're looking at routes. We're looking at route run percentage for these tight ends we're unsure about. So I know he's going to be on the field for sure against Seattle running a competing for a league high amount of routes run at his position. Will the production come? I'm not sure, but I also know he's only 5,200 on FanDuel and that's why we're talking about him right now. Yeah. 4,300 over on DraftKings. Also Todd Gurley priced over at 6,100. You know, Reeves, are you looking at the passing game? Are you looking at the running game with Atlanta? I, I cannot imagine you're on Todd Gurley, but, um, I imagine you're on a little bit of Julio and a little bit of Calvin Ridley. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this game will be popular from a game stack sense. I think Hurst will be the chalk core play guy from this game just because he's so cheap on both sites. And Russell Gage now has a groin injury, too, to start this week. So, I mean, that's really his only competition for targets and the interior level was Russell Gage. And if he's not going to be able to play, they cut Laquan Treadwell. Maybe Olamide Zacchaeus gets gets in and gets some burn. I, I don't dislike, you know, Olamide either. But uh, Hurst walks also into, you know, a great matchup. And there's some cha- some moving parts here as well. Um, but, you know, you look at Seattle last year. Outside of Arizona, they were one of the worst teams in defending opposing tight ends. Uh, tight ends in this game, these two teams played a year ago. Atlanta tight ends caught eight of nine targets or 94 yards and a touchdown from Matt Schaub. Uh, they did add Jamal Adams, but, you know, um, K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner. Uh, K.J. Wright allowed the third most receptions in coverage. Bobby Wagner, the eighth most. Those guys were able to get picked on a little bit. And like John said, I mean, they, the – the passing volume is just going to be here. Yeah. Um, we've already got them as home home uh, dogs. Uh, they were down 28 to seven at the halftime of this matchup a year ago. But like I said, Schaub did start that game. I think it'll definitely be a little more balanced back and forth. Uh, Russell Wilson only threw five passes in the second half of this game a year ago. <laughs> I, hate, tip- I hate tip- rostering Russell Wilson for that. Exact- Typical Seattle fashion. They're up oh, 28 to seven. He threw five passes. Uh, so it, it neutered everyone, but uh yeah, I think you're going to see this game be a popular game stack. I think both Seattle guys are uh, receivers are going to be popular. Um, you know, DK Metcalf, you know, led the NFL as a rookie in end zone targets. He had two touchdowns in this matchup uh, a year ago. The Falcons roll in with AJ Terrell, who they decided to take over CD Lamb, uh, and Isaiah Oliver, who was 71st of 87 qualifying cornerbacks in yards allowed per coverage snap a year ago. And they did add Darquise Denard in the slot, uh, but looks like Sheffield's not going to play in this game. Uh, He's already missed practice time. So I think both those guys will be popular. I think it's really interesting from a run game perspective because I just don't think that coming off the hip injury, we'll see a, a, a work when like Chris Carson like game. That'll be probably be a theme throughout the show that a lot of these running backs we typically count on for 20 plus touches are just not going to be those guys in week one in this in this abbreviated season. I don't think we're going to see, you know, Chris Carson dominate the backfield like he typically would coming off that hip injury, them having, you know, DJ Dallas, them having, you know, Carlos Hyde. Uh, I don't I don't think it'll be a spot where you'll be a spot where you're just chasing touchdowns. I don't think he's necessarily a core game play. Um, and then, you know, we could talk about the other side as we move back, but I think Julio's in a great spot. Oh, good. So we're going to get to complain that Julio Jones doesn't score touchdowns after one week. Are you, is that what you're telling me? Dagle, last year, he, he oh, scored gotta, a bunch. He scored a bunch the first couple weeks last year whatever, and never I, again. This, yeah, I mean, this is just an every year thing. Yeah, Larry Fitzgerald had a nice first couple weeks last year, too. But, I mean, Dagle, are you on Julio? Are you on Calvin Ridley, who I imagine is going to be lower owned? The Seattle guys, I never know who to pick between Metcalf and Lockett. It drives me a little bit crazy. Who are you on in this game, Dagle? Well, the fun thing about this game is that the target trees are dwindled for both teams. And that's why we like this game stack in general. I, I'm actually disappointed that Rich just said he believes it's going to be one of the higher owns of the week because I was hoping that people would not believe that Russ is going to cook despite Russ saying he wanted to cook, despite Schottenheimer hit, hinting that way throughout the offseason. Because if he does and those over eight yards per attempt that they carry from the fourth quarter suddenly come into the early downs on the first half, like this game could explode and Seattle's offense will explode no matter what, most likely. So I hope so. The thing is for Seattle, you know how it's going to go. Like we already know it's going to be Lockett and DK Metcalf. And that's why Lockett in particular is, uh, or I'm sorry, Metcalf in particular has been talked about in cash games. But again, for Lockett to just have, 
despite battling that nasty flu-ridden stretch. And I know you asked about Atlanta offense. I'm sorry, Crane. Uh, but right. you, hey, you run the show, man. Since I'm already on a roll, I'm just going to keep going. Look at that crown. I'm just in Silva's house. It's a complete mess with Reeb's shirt on. It's a complete mess right now. Uh, so it is, despite battling that flu-ridden stretch over the last seven games for Seattle, Lockett still finished with career highs and targets and catches. So I still want to double stack that side and run it back with Julio in particular, because as we know, uh, Football Outsiders charted the Falcons defense as one of the, or I'm sorry, the Seahawks defense as one of the worst against primary receivers, X receivers, anyhow, last year. I want to double stack the Falcons because we can have confidence in Julio and Ridley, not so much Hurst, unless he's simply a cheap option in cash games, but we can double stack Julio and Ridley and then run it back with either or both of Lockett and Metcalf. And for me, despite having confidence in the running backs, that's where it stops because we can easily dwindle these target trees down and just take the players and hope that this game goes overlooked since there are a bunch of good matchups in week one. Yeah, and you know, this is one of those games where I like to target not only with the high total, 49-point total in Atlanta, but also, as Dego was saying, we know where the ball is going here. Look, David Moore ain't catching eight balls. Will Disley can barely walk right now. Greg Olson... The vintage Greg Olson. He's doing yeah. podcasts. He's podcasting now. Wait, what? He's on Fox. He's not worried about us. Okay, well, <laughs> sorry, Greg. I mean, I'm just saying, like, we know where the ball is going to go with these two teams. So if I'm multi-entering this week, which I haven't decided if I'm going to or not, I'm playing Metcalf or Lockett, and I'm playing Jones Ridley on Hurst on every single team. And I'm, you better believe I'm going to have some Matt Ryan shares because Reeves, as you mentioned earlier, you got a home dog quarterback, and historically those guys have crushed. Yeah, I mean, you look at just any any time that Matt Ryan's impaired with Dirk Cutter over his career, he's been sixth in pass attempts or, or higher every year. Uh, he's due a little touchdown regression himself. So, I mean, he's in a really good spot. We saw what Schaub did in this matchup a year ago when he when he was in it. And then, you know, Julio had 10 for 152 in that game because, like Dago said, they got roasted by X receivers the entire year. It's, it's a great game to attack from multiple fronts. Uh, you can get creative, and you just don't have to play the popular, what I believe the Seattle side will be the most popular because – I believe DK is going to be one of his cheapest prices all year. Uh, you know, he's, he just carries too much touchdown up, too, too much touchdown equity. And you look at Seattle last year with it, if it stays sticky, I mean, they targeted their wide receivers uh, 71% of the time in the red zone, which is, which led the league. So if they get down there, those guys are getting the rock. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's, it's, it's just real easy to stack the Seattle side. I think from a price stance, because Julio's a little expensive, but you can, you know, run it back with, you know, Julio and Hurst and get creative. This is, this is a definitely one you can do like a, a four to five man, uh, you know, pairing. Um, you brought up your, your week one and not really unsure what you, what you were going to do. Uh, I mean, that's just an interesting topic. I know we talk about games, but just in general, like how we're handling this first week, I've already kind of decided I'm going to come under what I usually play uh, in week one, just because I think, you know, I like to build, you know, around running back cores and that's, you know, use those guys as hammers. But I really think that we're not going to see a lot of high usage from guys in week one. Um, there might be a couple spots, but I, I think that definitely we're going to see guys not really play their full allotment of snaps like they would. It might have like a very like a extended preseason week three feel to it. Like just like a, a, a step beyond that. Um, so I've already said, I'm going to probably focus more on coming under and playing more tournaments than just cash games this week. Cause I just don't think I can rely on a lot of these running back touches, which I like to build my rosters around, especially my cores and cash. Uh, I just don't think that there's a lot of safety uh, on the board this week. It's, it's easily the most ambiguous week one that we've ever had. 
That's why, yeah. don't get me wrong, I'm excited about the next game we're going to discuss. But, no. like, I'm really excited about the positional talk we're going to have. Because I think there are a lot of questions, in particular across sites, where some guys are, like, chalk, but the, then you can just fade them on the other side. So, anyways, that's a hor- horizontal tease, Crane. That, oh, well, okay. that in so, the business. I'm just going to say, before we get to this next game, before you guys force me to talk about Mitchell bleeping Trubisky, I got to tell you guys that now's the time to celebrate because football is finally back in DraftKings. The leader in one-day fantasy sports has millions of reasons why you should be excited to kick off the football season. DK is giving new users a free shot at $1 million as a top prize with a total of $3 million up for grabs, and that's tomorrow. That's in about, oh, 23 hours or so for this Thursday night football contest. So get in there, use the promo code DFF. You draft draft six players. You guys know how to play showdown, but download the DraftKings app now and use promo code DFF. And for a limited time, new users, you can get a free shot. That's right. A free ticket. Who doesn't want something for free? A free shot at a million dollar top fry, top prize and 3 million bucks in total prize. It doesn't get better than that. So make sure you check out, make sure you check out that DK app. Enter code DFF to get a free shot at $1 million, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And I got to tell you guys, one of the reasons I'm looking forward to that showdown tomorrow is because I don't have to worry about this stupid game that we are going to discuss next, where we have to talk about the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. And you guys sent me that email this morning or this afternoon. It was this morning for me. And you said, yeah, we're going to talk about this one. And I cried. I weep. I openly weep. I'm sitting here, my kid's looking at me like, Daddy, what's going on? As I cry making him a peanut butter sandwich. And Reed, you're laughing. I don't appreciate you laughing about me having to cry while making my kid a peanut butter sandwich. But here we are. So the floor is yours, man. Talk about Mitchell Trubisky and make me sad all over again. Uh, listen, this is what makes the pick six show the pick six show. There's a lot of shows that are going to talk about these high these these matchups that everyone's going to talk about throughout the week. You're going to hear people talk about playing the Seattle wide receivers. You're going to hear people talk about playing the Falcons guys. You're going to hear people talk about playing Deshaun Jackson. You're going to hear that. What you're not going to hear is a lot of people break down this Bears-Lions matchup, this NFC North battle in week one. Uh, but I've already bet the over in this game. It's definitely a game I believe is intriguing from an objective Hell paper yeah. stance. Uh, I, I think it's a sneaky surprise game. I think there's a lot of DFS value in this game. I think there's a lot of stacking potential. Uh, we've seen last year, Matthew Stafford didn't play in either of these matchups last year, but Matthew Stafford was playing the best football he had played easily in, in the past four years, you know, on, in this Daryl Bevel system. He led the NFL in depth of target. Uh, that offense was playing really well, and he had, he had he had torched some good matchups. You know, he had he, he roasted the Vikings, who were one of the best teams uh, defensively against quarterbacks. He roasted the Chiefs, who were one of the best teams against quarterbacks last year this offense has potential and this defense still has potential to be very bad uh and if you look at Mitchell Trubisky and where his he slotted in he's a he's a great GPP play I won't even back down him. he's a great GPP play uh he is crushed in all these in not just these matches with the Lions but anytime we've wanted to use him against soft defenses and 17 career games against defenses 20th or lower in pass efficiency he's averaged 23.3 fantasy points per game eight and a half yards per target even a year ago when he was objectively one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL and his team bypassed Cam Newton to trade for Nick Foles to take his job he still averaged 21.9 fantasy points per game in five matchups uh, in the same bucket of defenses or seven and a point nine yards per pass attempt and he really got going towards the end of the year when they let him run 
run around a little bit more. With David Montgomery kind of nursing into this matchup, I think we'll see him run a little bit in this matchup as well. Um, and, and then I also like this matchup too because it fits the last matchup. We know where the ball's going here. Yeah. Both these teams have ambiguous backfields, but the receiving cores are going to two guys. The ball's going to Marvin Jones, and it's going to Kenny Galladay on the Detroit side. It's a little bit of TJ Hawkinson, and the ball's going to Anthony Miller, Tariq Cohen, and Allen Robinson on the Bears side. We've got stacking potential, and we've got a guy that's really cheap on both sites and Anthony Miller that is walking into a, a prime, prime spot here. Because the Lions added, they drafted Jeffrey Kuda, they add Desmond Trufant on the outside, but they still have Justin Coleman in the slot, who allowed the third most receptions, the second most receiving yards, and the most touchdowns from the slot a year ago. Anthony Miller got him for nine for 140 the last time they played. He got him for six for 107 in Coleman's coverage. Um, he's dirt cheap on both sites. I think he's a great wide receiver three play. I think he's, he's got floor and upside because we know he's going to command 19% or more of the team targets. Uh, and then we know also we've got two guys in Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay who were second and sixth in the NFL in end zone targets. There's touchdown equity to be had here. And like I said, you've got some options with Hawkinson. I like this game. I don't care if anyone else dislikes it. You let me pick the games. I chose this one. I did let you pick the games, and I won't make that mistake again until next week when I'm feeling lazy once again. Um, I got to say, by the way, I had to check while you were talking. Lions defense is 2,700 uh, on DK. You run it back. Run yeah. it back, baby. Put it on. <laughs> we'll Put do the old, on. the old Jameis Winston stack where he used to play Jameis Put it on. Kevin, and the defense against him. It was just a good times all around. <laughs> You're not going to make it two out of three liking this game, are you? Oh, baby. Oh, no. Uh, oh, oh, baby. Uh, so, Reeves actually made his threshold bottom from defenses 20 to 32. I actually just expanded on that for my research and have it just the bottom half of the league from 17 on. And Trubisky still averaged 21.9 fantasy points per game in those six games against bottom half defenses. The issue, also, the thing is here, Lions allowed the most opponent plays per game last season. And now you look at the situation. Indoors in Detroit, uh, if we take out David Montgomery, or if he's even limited, we added only pass catching. I truly believe Artavis Pierce was the only running back on that entire squad behind David Montgomery that could handle 15-plus carries, and they cut him. So he's not a concern anymore. So instead, we just have a back whose strength is catching the ball. And then, of course, uh, last year against Detroit, Trubisky also averaged in particular 19.7 or scored 19.7 to 27.9 fantasy points per game with the rushing Druce, the Konami code. And we have the master, of course, of Konami code here to explain uh, five and a half carries per game over his last six starts. So it just everything adds up for this being an up-tempo game. Yes, the Bears defense did allow only one top 12 performance to fantasy quarterbacks last year. But if we have one offense that is destined to handle a vast number of plays, then of course we're going to have to run it back with one player on the line side anyways. So that's something I'm more than happy to do. Yeah, as you said, we know where the ball's going to go. You know, I don't expect on Johnson, Adrian Peterson, or DeAndre Swift to get much work at all. I mean, I would be stunned. What do you think, Rebar? The absolute ceiling on one of them is like 12, 13 touches? Yeah, we know Adrian Peterson has the history with Daryl Bevel, and you know he 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 claims. I mean, if AP told us any truths of the past week, he told us that Antonio Gibson was going to get more touches than we all believe, and that he told us that he was going to get more touches going to Detroit than he would have anywhere else. Uh, so we'll find out if that's true. But I mean, like I said, you get you've got 
two guys on the Detroit side that have high touchdown ceilings that are capable of scoring multiple touchdowns per week. I mean, Kenny Galladay led the NFL in touchdowns last year receiving. A Marvin Jones is capable always for those, for those Marvin Jones games. Uh, you never know when he's going to catch. I like love two Marvin four. Jones tournaments, man. Every time I love Marvin. And he's cheap, and he and he's not expensive. The stack. And he was good um, last year before Stafford got hurt. Yeah, I mean, you look at his splits with Stafford through eight games. I mean, he was ha- he was he he caught a career high seventy four percent of his passes. That was probably going to regress uh, over the course of the season, but that was the most efficient he had ever been. Even if you take away that Vikings bonanza that he had, he was playing some of the best football under his career. Those first eight games with Stafford, uh, you know, running so hot, and then like I said, Galladay just gets all deep targets and all end zone targets. So like, he's a guy we like, and he's a little more expensive, but you can run this with. Uh, you know, if you want to run Mitch, Anthony Miller, A-Rob, and Marvin Jones, you can put Gowdy in, you can put Hawkinson in. You've got options here to kind of get creative um, with with this game. And it's like I said, we don't really believe – we believe the backfields are going to be a hodgepodge, so no one's really going to hurt you. No one's going to damage you. So, I mean, um, it's I think it's a fun game. I mean, I, I don't know where you guys are in the Hawkinson train if you think that, like, he's going to – I'm all aboard, baby. I'm all aboard. Mr. Hawkinson, come on, Dan. Come on board with me. You're not going to – you can't just join in with Reeves every time. Come on. I'm not, I swear I'm not trying to. I just worry. Like, I understand the value of betting on a superstar athlete in his second year who did explode, at least in week one last year against the Cardinals anyways. But for, for this game in particular, I just wonder how he'll be used since we do return the same offense. And again, we were concerned about Hawkinson's targets down the stretch after week one last year. Um, And the seven games that he played leading up to his injury, he did run more routes. He did play 63.8% of, he did run a route, I'm sorry, on 63.8% of his offensive snaps. So his route run percentage got higher down the stretch prior to that ankle injury. But I don't know. Like, unless Reeves has some kind of hint that they're going to use him more, I'm I'm more just want to run it back with either Galladay or Jones, in particular Galladay in this situation. All right, let's go on to our third game, a game that people will actually watch. It's a uh, Tampa Bay Bucks at the Saints, forty nine point total. The Saints three and a half point favorites at home, and I, I gotta say, guys, this total, and I know it's the Superdome, the course Field of the NFL. I fully understand that you've got a ton, and I mean ton of big-time names in this game. Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk. But, Dagle, I want to start with you here because when I look at these two teams, these defenses are both underrated going into this year, aren't they? Oh, of, of course. Uh, the, the Bucks in particular, or I'm sorry, the Saints. The Saints return. Both of them, yeah. Well, the Saints return 10 of 11 starters. That's the thing here. And I know everyone wants to target this Bucks offense, but most recently we have Mike Evans looking at a game time call most likely because we don't ex- – it's only Wednesday, but it doesn't sound like he'll practice throughout the week and on Friday. And Bruce Arians did say if he doesn't practice on Friday, that makes him a game time decision on Sunday afternoon. That's the thing, though that this game is on Sunday afternoon. So late swaps for the fish out there, it could be handy for all of us who know how to properly late swap and put players on early games in our starting roster slots as opposed to the flex position. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's going to be messy because Chris Godwin's yards per route run on the outside were much worse on the outside than opposed to the slot last year. So it's a defensive battle, I believe, yes, I've already bet this game personally under. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking too. 
So, yeah, I, I, that's why I want to kick it to Reeves because if we have a lean on guys outside of the guys we already know and want to play in DFS, like Kamara, I still think now that we believe he's healthy, is a strong bet, although his salary is typically 2K higher on both sites as opposed to, let's say, Miles Sanders, who we're going to talk about, Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs, the list goes on and on. Um, and Michael Thomas, of course, who soaked up nearly 70% of the wide receiver targets on his own team last year. So I'm hoping Reeves has another pivot outside of the players we already know. Yeah, you know, well, that's one of the things we always like about the Saints is that we know where the ball's going. It's Kamara, it's Thomas, you know, you know Jared Cook's there, Manny Sanders is there, whatever. I'm, if I'm going to play anybody, I'm still going to play those two guys. Though last year I saved a bunch of money just not playing running backs against Tampa. Like it was that simple last year. I just didn't mess with it. I'm going to have trouble playing Kamara in this matchup. Reeves, are you on Kamara? Are you on Michael Thomas? What are you doing in this spot? I think it's definitely a, a spot when, you know, with Kamara coming off of that, you know, whatever was going on at his back. I mean, he still had 100 yards from scrimmage in both games that he faced Tampa Bay, but it's none of those things that we talk about where people talk, get wrong about defensive matchups. It's, we don't look at defensive matchups necessarily, you know, fade a player from benching in your seasonal league. When people see they have their guys, a sticky matchup, it's understanding where ceiling weeks come from and that good defense really don't allow a lot of ceiling weeks. Christian McCaffrey is a good example too, against the bucks. It's not like he's, you know, he had the, the game with the two touchdowns, but his, he doesn't go for 40 against the bucks. He goes for 20. And, you know, then your 10K doesn't look as greatly spent. Alvin Kamara, eight and a half, you know, he's, you know, getting 100, you know, 100 yards from scrimmage, but, you know, he's going to finish it, you know, he's finishing as like an RB 10 to 15. That's still not, it's not paying off your money. That's still fine. That's not losing you any weeks. It's no reason to say like run away from a defensive matchup, but it's understanding where spike weeks come from. It makes it a little trickier to understand. Um, I mean, the Bucks they were, Third in the NFL in EPA rushing, a rushing defense. They allowed just three yards per carry to running backs. That's by far the best in the league. Uh, so it is tough to expect a ceiling week, you know, from Alvin Kamara. Um, it's interesting because the, the Saints have had good defenses the past two years, but even under Sean Payton, they've historically like just really took a while to get going in season. Um, you look, they're, they're one and eight against the spread in their past nine season openers. They've had 28 or more points uh, in their past six season openers. Uh, we do have a little bit of narrative straight with Tom Brady. I mean, I, I think he's going to play pretty well in this game. Um, even without Mike Evans, obviously we'd like to have Mike Evans, but I think Brady is, is still like got enough in him. I don't think he was objectively as terrible as people think he was last year. Um, the worst thing you worry about is just the Bucks offensive line because where Brady was terrible was under pressure. And if Mike Evans isn't there to bail him out uh, in some of those, you know, tight window throws that he could make uh, that Nikhil Harry couldn't do, or Muhammad Sanu couldn't do, hey. uh, then, then that's a problem. <laughs> um I was really worried Sanu was going to go back, run right back to the Falcons and ruin Hayden Hurst. But I'm, I'm still worried after week happen. one. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, it's the, it's, it's the oldest, you know what, the first time we've ever had two quarterbacks, 41 years or older, starting against each other. Maybe it's a turn back the clock game. Uh, and I don't know, man, there's something about this game. That's just really weird. It's got kind of an aura to itself. I mean, that's not going to help you in DFS, but there is something about this. The saints are as equally as good against the run almost as, as the bucks are. I mean, they, we talk about it. I just bring, you're going to keep dropping that stat until it's broken. That Samaj P Ryan is the last hundred yard rusher against the saints uh, <laughs> uh, in 2017 until that gets broken. I'm just going to keep using that on a weekly basis. Um, to, to both of your points as well. Like you talk about <laughs> McCaffrey's floor, just simply lowering, but him still being one of the best 
best fantasy players in the league. Uh, yeah. Thomas, Thomas also against the defense last year, eight catches for 114 yards and a touchdown and 11 catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns. So like the floor for him didn't even drop out. It was the same thing. The issue as you talked about crane is trying to find somebody else. And maybe that would be Jared cook, but I also, I struggle for Jared cook because they have a competent slot receiver and Emmanuel Sanders this year. And remember like seven touchdowns for Jerry Cook came from the slot. And whereas they couldn't play basically Keith Kirkwood unless they had to in the slot last year, they can play play Sanders in that position. So I I worry about anyone, um, including Jared Cook in this matchup outside of Michael Thomas. You know, and it's weird because I'm looking at these prices. They're all priced up. Like I don't want to, I really might just play this game. I really might like outside of Michael Thomas. And even then, paying 9K for a receiver on this slate, I'm not in love with. So, like, I don't know. Reeves, would I be nuts just to fade this game? No, I don't think it, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, it's going to be, you know, obviously the, the most popular, you know, late slate game because it's yeah. got the, you know, it's got all the star power in it. Uh, it's going to be the game everyone's watching to see Brady in the new uniform. Um, I mean, listen, man, Scotty Miller doesn't intrigue you? No. <laughs> nope, <he doesn't. laughs> He was good for like one game before his hamstring blew up last good year. For him. Both of the both of those guys, him and Watson, both were like they had really strong college profiles though, and they're very mm-hmm. similar to each other. Uh, and they can play. The cool thing about them is is actually I don't really think it, it, it this Evans being out. I don't think impacts Godwin still playing. It's how much twelve personnel they're going to play impacts Godwin because Scotty Miller is when he comes in three wide receiver sets, it's going to play outside. He's not a slot receiver, even though he's got the, you know, the, the Caucasian narrative. Uh, and same thing with Watson. Those guys, those guys are perimeter players. Like, so when they, they come, that's what's them going three wide helps Godwin because three wide means Godwin's playing a slot. And, you know, Dale talked about the splits. And if you look at last year, I mean, he just, he, ro- he roasted PJ Williams, just absolutely crushed him. I mean, he had 10 catches for 170 yards with three touchdowns and two games in the saints with eight for 135 and two coming from the slot. It just depends on with them adding Gronk and then having OJ Howard still and Cameron Bray and understanding that the, you know, that offense will still play some 12 personnel. If it increases with Evans being out, then that's what forces Godwin to play more outside than in the slot. So that's what you kind of have to worry about. But the Saints were an elite team against, you know, uh, tight ends. They're, they've been in, they've been fourth. Uh, they've been top 12 in adjusted fantasy points, a lot of the tight ends in each of the past four years. They add Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, it's probably not a game where they can just, you know, line up Gronk. And I, I think Gronk anyways is probably a guy that we see play fewer snaps than a lot of people believe anyways. I think he'll be more of a package player uh, in a preservation role. I think they they want Gronk for a stretch run. They believe they're a Super Bowl contender, and they want Gronk has never played a full season, you know, <laughs> since basically his rookie year. And I think they're going to want him to play the full season. So I think that he's going to be more of a package player, red zone uh, limited snap type of option too. So, I mean, that might play into your narrative too, just, you know, fade this game entirely because we won't know. I still think Godwin's a good play. Um, I'm interested just to see kind of, you know, how it plays. I think Thomas is obviously worth paying for because uh, the Bucks, even though they got better defensively, they still have no pieces you're worried about stopping Michael Thomas um, at any level. It's tournaments that I, that worry. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good talk, plays on the board. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to say, we're going to talk about that when we get into separate positions here, but, but I don't think you even need them this week. That's the thing. Yeah. I could be are, wrong, of course. Are but. people going to play Gronk? Yeah, I hope so. probably people oh, will. Baby. Oh, baby. So. All right. All right, before we get into some quarterbacks, because I just cannot stand talking about Mr. Trubisky. So I got to talk about something else, because support for Roto-Grinders is brought to you by, get ready for this, Manscaped. 
who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offered precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology development to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And I wanted to talk about this just a little bit. Um, Dega, let's bring you in here really quick. Can you talk to me about like some of your grooming you know, habits? Do you use the Manscaped? What do you do here? Well, since I'm currently living at Evan Silva's house, I'm not sure if you heard. Uh, there's not a lot going on outside of us buying bottles of wine, perhaps heartburn medicine from time to time, and uh, just grinding. So right now, no manscaping, ladies, I'm sorry. But I support the decision to manscape, just to let you know. Just so you know, I told Reeves like two days ago I was going to bring you in for that. Yeah, I'm, and- I'm not happy you did, but it's okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, too great. That's too Funny. Well, Manscaped, look, they have redesigned the entire electric trimmer. The engineering team spent 18 months, which is more than I've ever done anything for, perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. And it just released new and improved the third generation lawnmower 3.0. It's here. It's premium. The battery's going to last 90 minutes. It's waterproof. There's an LED light. So, well, you can do what you want with that. But, uh, yeah, make sure you check it out. And I'll tell you what, if you want 20% off plus free chick, plus free shipping, use the promo code ROTO at manscaped.com. Your balls are going to thank you. All right, let's move there on. There is no way they handed you that read and wanted you to say ball hair trimmer. I'm sure it's I a more to God. sophisticated I swear to God, I'm looking at than that. I, I skipped over the one that says trim that junk of yours. I right, ball hair trimmer <laughs> it is. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i got that on monday and i go oh we're gonna have some fun with this one Dago, i appreciate you being a good sport i know you use it on your head too so it looks good buddy um all right let's talk some quarterbacks reeves i'll start with you buddy because you said that there are a lot of quarterbacks on this slate that you liked i assume you mean names that don't involve mr Trubisky. so who you got over here i mean this is i mean this is a great open for you Terrible QBs, man. This is the brand. I mean, there are a lot of sub-6K QBs on DK and a lot of sub-7K QBs on FanDuel that are on the board. I think they're in play. If you're not going to pay – you if you're not going to play Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan, who I am objectively great with playing, and if you're not going to pay for Lamar Jackson because you know what you're getting there as well from a rushing stance, I mean, there are a lot of the dirty dogs that we like to promote on this podcast. Uh, We've got Jimmy Garoppolo in a great spot at home. Uh, against Arizona, who he threw for 740 yards and eight touchdowns against. Uh, he's still, he's still, he sat some banged up receivers, but his number one receiver, George Kittle, is still going against the flow chart, uh, which we'll see is improved or not with the addition of Isaiah Simmons. We've got Tyrod Taylor, uh, who offers just a tremendous floor. I think he's a, a great like, core play uh, if you want to pay down at the position, because I believe – uh, that you're going to get a high floor of him. The Bengals allowed the most rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks last year. And even if you remove Lamar Jackson's two games against them, they would have ranked 26th in the league in rushing points allowed per game to opposing quarterbacks. So there's a good spot for him. We've got Cam Newton at home against the, you know, a new new Miami defense. They've made some, you know, uh, additions with Kyle Vanoy, Emmanuel Agba, Shaq Lawson in the secondary. But, you know, we've got Cam Newton. I think there's some narrative surrounding him as well, like Tom Brady, uh, that where I think we're going to see a little red-ass Cam to start this first game I think he's going to have to run in New England too Uh, I think a lot of people worry but I think that's just the structure of that offense he's going to have to use his legs we've got Derek Carr against uh the Las Vegas Raiders now and the other side of that game yeah, I think both uh, both are interesting. Still, Christian McCaffrey, I think, is a, is a ceiling capper a little bit uh, in the amount of like 
dink and dunk they're going to do. But I think Carolina is going to be an interesting team we talk progressively about throughout the course of the season, given just that their defense. I mean, they're the youngest defense in the NFL. Um, I think Carr is fun because if you want to go against the Josh Jacobs probably steam that's going to build, and we'll probably talk about Josh Jacobs in a little bit, he's a pivot. The passing game's a pivot. If you want to do like a Carr rug stack or a Carr rugs DJ Moore stack or run with McCaffrey, you run it and then you just count on Josh Jacobs not getting in the end zone. If you fingers crossed, uh, you get you get lucky that route. And I think old man Phil Rivers was in play too. His high scoring game last year came against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and so, I mean, in that, and that's just a team that also like the Panthers defense, like we're just going to pick on the Jaguars entirely all year because they have pretty openly come out and said that they aren't trying to play defense this year or win games. Uh, and you've got Rivers, like I said, in another narrative spot a little bit, but uh, that's a team with a, that's a huge favorite and against the bad defense. So it's a really great week, I think, for a lot of dirty quarterback plays. Yeah, just don't be afraid to get weird. I think that's one of the things that Reeves is saying because especially in week one, look, we can break down these matchups all we want. We can look at Vegas totals. We can look at pricing. We can look at props, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But Dagalas, we've kind of come to find out oftentimes, especially in week one, we don't know a lot of what's going to happen. So do you think this is a week to get a little bit weird at the quarterback position? I mean, I think what you're both trying to say is don't worry about ownership because you can clearly go a number of ways successfully. That's why I'm almost not even worrying about like game stacks or the, or Seattle stacks and on in particular because everyone can do what they want between Trubisky Crane, your favorite player, and Russ and Lamar and, the, and Tyrod Taylor, who I know will be a big con- discussion in weekend DFS podcast for cash games in particular. So there are a number of ways you can go. Don't worry about the quarterback you roster. Only focus on the double stack and then who you run it back with, because that's likely going to decide whether you win tournaments or not. Um, I mean, he, uh, Reeves hit on most of them. So, But in particular, I want to emphasize that I do like Trubisky a lot. A lot of people have cited the fact that he had 740 yards and seven touchdowns against the Cardinals last year. And while that is relevant, um, it's just the fact that it goes beyond that. Like the, the Cardinals, for instance, allowed the second most opponent plays per game last year. And the 49ers in those two games against them ran 66 and 69 plays. So I expect a lot of play volume again in this matchup. And although Ayuk and Debo may not be available, it is still the Kittle and to a lesser extent Kendrick Bourne, who already proved he can have fantasy value in that offense, um, stacking against the Cardinals. And I don't think you even need to run it back with DeAndre Hopkins. I think you can pick Kirk. I think you can pick Drake, who is only a couple hundred bucks dropped down on FanDuel from Miles Sanders, who we're going to talk about again in a second. So there are just a lot of ways you can go. Do not worry about quarterback roster percentage. All right, let's move on to the running back position. Of course, Christian McCaffrey. They're not messing around this year. He's priced at 10K already. He gets a prime matchup against Vegas. Um, I mean, it's difficult not to like Christian McCaffrey here, but Reeves, you said earlier you think he's a bit of a ceiling capper just because he's so expensive. Yeah, I mean, you could fit him in. There's no doubt about it. I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna have a lot of Chris McCaffrey as well. He's not a guy I'm, I'm gonna fade just because you could do so many things at the slate this week. But yeah, I mean, if you look at too. I mean, we know the touchdowns are gonna come down for him. Just when you, they were the only team in the NFL that scored more rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns. He led the NFL carries inside the five yard line. Like those things just naturally regress. He's still, is he still gonna be uh, this era's Marshall Falk in the best play per slate? Yeah, of course he is. Uh, and he's you know playing a Raiders defense that we're not scared of on any level. But I 
just know there's going to be inherently some come down. And when he's already starting at 10, th- we did this with Gurley, remember? Like the the next year he just started, he just started and we're, and then it just slowly came down. It's just hard. To, it's hard to set the bar that high and have it pay off. Uh, things don't stay the same like they did from a year ago. Uh, you know, just, it's just the way it is. Um, so, I mean, definitely, I'm going to have him a lot. I mean, especially now with like probably this Miles Sanders stuff going on. Um, but I mean, I'm looking at a lot of guys this week. I mean, obviously we'll have a, you know, the Josh Jacobs is going to get so much steam just because Carolina, uh, they allowed seven more PPR points, uh, per game than what their opponents average coming into the matchup last year. They allowed a league high 27 rushing touchdowns. They lose Luke Keekley uh, from that. Like they couldn't even with Luke Keekley, a guy who could guess half the plays the team was running, stop anybody uh, from running the ball. Uh, Josh Jacobs is probably going to run all over them. If he gets those a lot of carries, it just depends on how many snaps he gets uh, in that game. So, I mean, uh, Josh Jacobs, I think he's more of a FanDuel play than he is to pay up for on DK. Cause he's 68 on DK. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you don't have – we talk about those archetype of backs, playing them in tournaments when they're going to be 20% owned or in that area. If those guys don't score a touchdown, they don't pay off uh, because they're not adding yeah. catches. Yeah, yeah I, mean, not, I mean, I, Josh Jacobs has, like, this this aura about him where people think he catch passes and Dagle, he just doesn't. Like, I, I can tell already – I'm just going to say this already, that I'm going to fade Josh Jacobs a lot this year, and there's going to be a few weeks where I'm going to curse it throw my papers in the air and, you know, go to Quiznos or something and enjoy a sandwich because I'm not going to win at DFS this week. That's just how it goes sometimes. Um, you know, Dagle, I assume that you're fading Josh Jacobs as well. Is there anybody at the running back position that stands out for you? We didn't really touch much on Miles Sanders, but at 6,300 at Washington, I think we have to have some interest. We do have to have interest. It's concerning, though, that it wasn't just a beat rider. It was the coach. Doug Peterson came out this afternoon and said that perhaps Miles Sanders could be limited to open the year. And we remember that Boston Scott averaged eight touches per game on 28% of the team snaps and three or four games to close the year that Miles Sanders was healthy last season. So that has gotten me off as I've built like a placeholder early week cash game lineup. It's gotten me off Sanders safely. Of course, you can leverage that information and play it in tournaments if you don't believe you will, or at least you're playing the lower percentage that everyone else is going to be off of him. So that's fine. But in tournaments, I think now, I could be wrong. I'm curious to get Reeves' opinion on this. Um, I think you want to be overweight on the field in tournaments in the instance that he is not limited. And I am scared now that I probably won't be playing him in cash at all. Um, A quick other name, though, I will say is Antonio Gibson. Everyone's talking about him. Everybody loves him. So the thing is, he's 4K on DK. Yeah. And the big point about that is DraftKings heightened their floor this year. So it's no longer 3K. 4K is the minimum. Oh, I didn't know that. So now the minimum player is Antonio Gibson, who is like a floor of six targets and a floor of six carries. Although I think he's going to get much more than that in week one. So on DraftKings, for me, he's a free square. Um, Again, like, Everyone worries about ownership to be contrarian, but you don't worry about ownership like when James Conner's 3,800 in week one as he was a couple seasons ago. That's not the time to worry about ownership. You differentiate elsewhere. I don't think you differentiate on Antonio Gibson on DraftKings in particular because he is basically receiver as well um, in week one. On FanDuel, however, he's going to need to hit his ceiling. 
Um, he can hit his ceiling for the record. Uh, I, I love Antonio Gibson, the player, but in tournaments, that's the time in week one is to differ from the rest of the pack and go for someone else in that range who is going overlooked with lower ownership percentage. I gotta, I gotta say, man, in tournaments, like it just feels like an Antonio Gibson, like, and I understand he's minimum price. I understand he's the correct play. I just gotta say though, in tournaments, it feels to me like, especially with his style, he's not going to get 20 touches. He feels like a phenomenal fate. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think he's a great cash game play. I think he's a great pivot just because the ownership is already projected. He's, he's projected already through the tools of Roto Grinders to be the highest owned guy outside of Christian McCaffrey in, in large field tournaments because we don't know who's even going to get the goal line carry if there is a goal line carry to be had here. And then from a matchup stance, the Eagles have successfully been on a run of a team we want to avoid rushing production against. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were sixth, fifth, and first in rushing points allowed to running backs the past three years. So if he can't tack on like a like those bonus runs, or say he only got six carries, but it was against a defense where he could turn six carries into 45 yards, and then he's catching five balls for 50 yards, and that's still hitting too, that's, that's still fine, but we need the touchdowns. In tournaments, you need touchdowns. Uh, you don't necessarily always need them from your 4K guys, but we when like – John compared him to Connor. Like Connor was a guy that we knew was locked into getting scoring opportunities. Yeah, we don't know if that's for sure. We don't know if that's the case here. It very well could be. I mean, we're talking Bryce Love and JD McKissick. Like he could. I mean, he's a bigger back. He's a bigger back than both those guys. Uh, so he could easily still get those get those carries too. We just don't know. We don't know if the scoring upside is really going to be there. We don't know where the touch count lies. I think he's a he's a, he's an easy fade on FanDuel for sure at four or six because you don't get the full PPR anyways, uh, and you have to have a touchdown there. I think there are some outs on DK if you don't get a touchdown, but you still want him to get a touchdown. Um, but I mean, it, it, it is hard for it's hard in cash to say no to four to that uh, four. His on DK range, too. He's so popular in cash, and he allows you to get everything. But like in tournaments, his range of outcomes is just so wide. Like Nagel, mm-hmm. I don't think you got to do it, man. I really don't. That's fair. Um, and to be clear, I don't even think we're looking at Bryce Lowe. I think we're talking about Peyton Barber and Luke Wine. I think no, is going to be the healthy like, scratch. I, I have a, I have an odd amount of Bryce Love and best ball, but here we are. You know? I mean, I really just believe there's going to be a lot of shared carries this week. I just, I don't really believe sure. there are going to be a lot of backs that are just like out here just dominating and getting 25 touches. I so mean, there might be. Does that shorten your player pool then? Like you're working with an immensely smaller than normal player pool for both tournaments and cash games. I typically, in recent years, I've honed in from my lessons from Crane uh, and not trying to cover everything. I've, my board, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. I've shrunk my I've shrunk my core down anyways. So I mean, I was always going to be a four to six running back guy anyways, and I'll probably still be there. I mean. Um, you know, I, I like Austin Eckler a lot this week. Uh, I think he's in a great spot. I just think there's so many good matchups that he might get skipped over a little bit. Um, I still think he offers a lot of pass catching equity uh, in that offense. You know, it's a good matchup. Um, it is a road game, which, you know, we don't particularly love. I think both of the Colts guys on FanDuel particularly, I think Marlon Mack is a great tournament play. Uh, because one, he could start, and then they just destroyed on the ground last year against the Jaguars. I mean, they average seven yards per carry with their running backs. And if he gets 15 touches, he's got two touchdown upside still in a game with 15 touches, uh, and he's just way cheaper. And Jonathan Taylor's already projecting for way higher ownership uh, yeah. than him. So I think he's like a fun pivot off of that, because I think he's going to get enough touches too. Because like I said, I just believe that there's going to be a lot of shared backfields this week. Yeah, uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that, because – I really wanted to ask about it because the Colts are one of those teams that have a 26 point team total and 
it's tough to get excited about any of these guys. I mean, T.Y. Hilton, I understand he's going to run in the slot with the Phillip Rivers offense, which is good for T.Y. Hilton. But Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman on the outside, eh? Do we know, is it going to be Marlon Mack or Jonathan Taylor on the goal line? I mean, Jonathan Taylor in college, that's all he did was score touchdowns. But is he going to come in, be, you know, knock off Marlon Mack right away? I don't think so. And it, it feels to me, Daigle, if you can actually solve this Colts riddle, I think you can have a pretty strong leg up in tournaments. I mean, I, I genuinely don't even think it's a riddle. Uh, the Colts showed us last year, they had 36 and 27 carries in their two games against the Jaguars last season. And they only traded up to add Jonathan Taylor in the second round this year. So we know what their game plan is. And although – Who's it going to be? No, but that's the thing. Yeah. Mac is valuable, but 14 carries for Jonathan Taylor is different than 14 carries for Mac. Like, even if John Taylor does not get involved on the same amount of touches in the second half, Jonathan Taylor is literally Saquon Barkley with worse hands. He's a super specimen profile athlete who the Colts traded up to grab. So it's interesting because Marlon Mack is more interesting on FanDuel, and since we garner to touchdowns more on FanDuel, Marlon Mack is probably the better tournament play there because no one will want to pay up for, like, the quote-unquote slower guy in that backfield. Whereas on DraftKings, Jonathan Taylor is more expensive. And I still think Jonathan Taylor will be higher owned because everyone wants the sexier player who technically has an uncapped ceiling in the clouds. That's why they watch our show. Yeah, <laughs> because we, that's why they watch for the Reeves shirt. That's right, season. that's right, for King Henry over there. Uh, because we haven't seen him play an NFL game just yet. But, yeah, like Reeves said, both are good plays. However, I think it's Mac on FanDuel and Taylor on DraftKings, and that's how I'm treating it. Right. Yeah, the one three that the one reason I brought up Rivers though with the quarterback section is if you look at Frank Reich since he's been in Indianapolis, they're fifth in the NFL in passing rate inside the ten, uh, and they've led the NFL in touchdown passes um, in, inside the ten the, over the past few years, and even last year they led the NFL with Brian Hoyer and Jacoby Brissett. So I mean, there is some opportunities if they do knock on the door that they actually inflate their quarterbacks with passing touchdowns uh, in that area because you know. Frank Reich's a, a smart coach and doesn't do what every team does and, uh, and just line up and pound the ball. Uh, I'm talking to you, Kellen Moore, uh, directly. Uh, so, and, I mean, there is – I think don't think that, like, you know, a Rivers-Hilton stack is playable. The problem is, is you really can't run it back outside of anyone besides DJ Shark. DJ Shark, baby, um, come on. It, Wait, you're not on maybe, the Eifert train? And maybe if you want to play like Chris Thompson for 4K on DK, but I don't like playing – you know, we don't ever like playing those kind of backs, man. Right. Uh, they're great, like, cash game guys, but, like – you're going to get 12 touches. and the good, the good thing about Thompson on DK is he's the same price as Gibson. So you need Gibson to bust, which as we've talked about, his, it's very volatile for tournaments. And if that's the case, then you still need Thompson to have pretty much eight catches, which is possible if the Colts run away with it, which also game script dictates. But you have to have uh, Gibson bust in that scenario. All right, let's move on to some wide receivers. Uh, we only have a few minutes left. Dale, I'm going to start with you because – Obviously, we know a wide receiver, high variance position. You can fade the chocolate wide receiver pretty much day in, day out, and you're going to be fine. Marquise Brown, he's going to be really popular, 25% against Cleveland. We already talked about Michael Thomas. He's going to get some ownership. Terry McLaurin, Deshaun Jackson, both those guys are projected for double-digit ownership. Is there any chalk wide receiver, Dagle, that you say, I just have to have this guy? So to be clear, I only started looking at – DFS salaries on Monday because I wanted to come in with a fresh take on Monday. That is before everybody else. (laughs) No, I I really thought it was the sharp way to go though, because I wanted to avoid like, like there were articles being written two weeks ago when there were salary release parties. I didn't want to do that. Like I wanted a fresh spin the moment I looked at it. So the moment I saw it, 
I believe Devontae Adams is probably going to be chalk if you're spending up at wide receiver because, again, when he returned from injury last year, he had a 31% target share to close the season, and there is literally no one to threaten that because they brought back the exact group of same receivers he had a 31% target share over. And the Vikings secondary only got worse adding a rookie. I do like Jeff Gladby for the record, but you're not worried about him for DFS or season long. So Devontae Adams will be the player you spend up for. Um, Sean Jackson in week one, Carson went small sample, but the only game he went over eight yards per attempt was the one game he had Deshaun Jackson in week one against Washington just last year. And Deshaun Jackson is far too cheap. He is priced as if Jalen Rager is out. And as of now, Jalen Rager is out. And then, of course, um, Terry McLaurin. Washington enters the year with negligent competition and the seventh most available targets missing from last season's production. There is simply nowhere else to go. Dwayne Haskins did rate high, actually, at PFF uh, over his last four starts last year, despite being ridiculed and laughed at. So I have confidence in what I believe will be a new creative up-tempo scheme with Scott Turner for Terry McLaurin to again explode in this matchup in both cash games and tournaments. And we know the Eagles, they've been, I mean, for years now, lit up by these small, shifty, deep-threat wide receivers. I mean, I mean, this is like, I've been playing this exact spot for five years now. Like, I'm not going to back down now, Reeves. I mean, they did. They, I think the Eagles defense is going to be better than people think this year, but it's not going to make you run away from a huge target share and a talented player right. uh, like Terry McLaurin. I think you'll see on DK. I mean, well, both sides to Sean Jackson, I think is going to be the, the basically the chalk guy. Everyone's going to play for the reasons they said they, and the injuries they have. He's also a guy that just is, he plays his best football early in the season when he's healthy. Uh, so we'll see that. I, I don't think that our thing, white side is like a terrible bet on like FanDuel as like a, as a stacking option this game, just because the secondary is so bad. What does concern me right now, though with the Eagles is they could potentially be down three starting offensive linemen that they plan to have to start the season and the Washington pass rush which was already third in the NFL in pressure rate a year ago got better uh, so that might limit some of our deep shots and protection. If we have some protection issues, I mean, I feel like it's a big mismatch, the Washington front in the pass rush game against yeah. the Eagles right now, especially if Lane Johnson doesn't play uh, in this game. So that could limit some things too. But, I mean, it's hard to get off of Jackson's price, the in- surrounding injuries, and because you got to include Miles Sanders in that too as well. Um, just he's going to be a more of a focal point of the offense uh, for that cheap. I think you'll see Marquise Brown be popular. Uh, McLaurin will be popular. Um, I think that I hope, hopefully people don't overlook Mark Andrews too, because he's in a similar spot. Uh, I know we did, we talked about, you know, playing, you know, Hayden Hurst and cash and doing all that stuff like Mark Andrews, you have to pay up to play, but I mean, this Browns team is really limping into the season and the linebacker level and the safety level. Uh, and you know, we've got Mark Andrews in a spot where he's entering the season healthy. They lose Hayden Hurst. They've moved the fullback to tight end. He's going to get an increased route rate, increased snap rate. Uh, we know he carries high touchdown upside. The Browns were already terrible in defending tight ends a year ago and they got worse losing Grant Delpit. They bring Ronnie Harrison just a week ago. They lose Joe Schobert in free agency. Mac Wilson's out. Um, man, it really sets up for a good spot. I think for Mark Andrews to really come out of the gates really strong while everyone's on Kittle uh, for, for a pay-up stance against Arizona, the flow chart, and then paying down for Hurst. Uh, I would really love Mark Andrews to be overlooked. All right, guys, that's uh, going to do it for Oh, go ahead, Diggle. 
No, I was going to say, I, th- I think a decision point this week is spinning up a tight end for Andrews, for instance, or George Kill in a great matchup against the Cardinals, which we talked about, or spending down. If you do that, it's Hayden Hurst or Chris Herndon. I would just say be wary of Chris Herndon's ceiling because ceilings do matter how smarter we have all gotten in cash games and tournaments. And I worry about the Jets just scoring points in general and honestly about <laughs> the Bills scoring points. Um I worry about them just having their foot up, not having their foot on the gas the moment they get up two or three scores. I'm going to stack this Raiders Panthers game. The more I look at it, it is cheap to stack these passes. It's a good one, man. I, like, I would have picked it, but I want to talk about the Bears. It's not as good as Trubisky. That's the thing. That's oh, the thing. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, we're going to get the hell. We're going to talk about the Raiders and Panthers a lot on this show. Yeah, that's true. Like, we're going to have a I lot feel of very, yeah, I really, feel very yeah. strongly about that. Yeah, I mean, here, here's every week when we did, when we pick the sheet before this. Like, all right, who's playing the Panthers? Who's playing the Falcons? All right, now we need one other game. That's going to be the list right there. The weeks the Panthers and Falcons play, let's just talk about one game for an hour. You guys good with that? We don't <laughs> oh, need to touch, baby. Yeah, we don't need to touch on any other game. Guys, I want to make sure I think uh, – you guys for watching. It's been a lot of fun. If you listen to the podcast, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to DraftKings for sponsoring the show. Thanks to Manscaped for sponsoring the show. I want to thank John Daigle for, for joining us. Also, Daigle, I forgot to wish you happy birthday. So um, happy it, birthday, my friend. It's, it is um, my birthday in three months, so you're dead on. Correct. Yes. Yeah, no, no, it's your birthday. It's your birthday every week, man. We're just glad you're here. And, of course, Rich Rebar, it's a pleasure to do year five with you, brother. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, listen, that's some marriages don't last this long. We're in a good run here, Crane. You and I. <laughs> what do we get for five years? What is year five? Is it like I? I, I don't know. Five, we, we, no. it's, uh, I don't know. Well, you you only got me at year four, so don't want year five. Don't you don't want the gift for year five? <laughs> All right, we're gonna jump off here. Thank you so much for watching, listening, everybody. Good luck in fantasy this week. We are so glad to have football, have football back, and we are so glad to have you guys joining us. We'll catch you all later. Peace.